back to the farmstead. We're glad you're here. Pull up a chair and rest your heels and let's talk about large family living on the homestead. Let's get after it. Let's do it. Well guys, welcome back to a Zoom episode of the Hillbilly Hollywood Squares. Yeah. That's pretty much what it looks like looking here at the screen. It's been, uh, I mean, it's been a long time since we got together and, and did a video or did an episode. Since like March. Yeah. That was before like the, the Rona-ness of the Rona really got going. The world ended. Yeah. I, I don't want to say I was looking. we knew it. I don't want to say I was looking for more out of the apocalypse, but uh, I guess. Out we'll, of a downer. We'll, we'll take what we can get, what we can get there. Um, so uh, if you're listening uh, to this feed via uh, iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else, we're recording a live Zoom show. And we'll uh, try to maybe put that on the YouTubes there too. That's yeah, all you or somebody. That's Jake. Other than me. We've been we've been doing more on the YouTube stuff, just kind of trying to share our farmstead experience. Right. We've gone back and forth either between, you know, recording podcasts or uh, trying to do some video stuff there. And I I enjoy that Jake enjoys it because he's the one responsible for getting all the YouTube videos out um, and all that sort of thing. So... I guess last time on the contrary farmstead. I don't remember what happened, so we'll Me just either. have to give updates. <laughs> we'll just, what, what's happened since March? Uh, everything. <laughs> There's been a whole lot going on since there. Yeah, how do you update? Uh, it, it's COVID. Yeah. It, that's that's all it's been. It's, it's just been that and lots of all the little um, fun little nuances that have uh, – other than that, we've been doing the same old thing. Nothing's changed. Well, the one thing that's really changed here on the farm is uh, we have way more time to do stuff. Yeah. Which means all the little like secret projects that I wanted to do when I said I had more time, those haven't gotten done because there was other. Oh. other but other stuff is getting done, so that's good. Okay, so if you're listening, this won't really apply to you, but if you're joining us on Zoom and you're not too shy – Raise your hand if you had at least one coronavirus panic buy. Just at least one. Okay, someone's <laughs> honest. Steve Hedrick's got it all, so he probably didn't have to do. It. I see him there. He probably didn't. And he probably didn't need anything there. Just oil for the tractor, probably. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to be like Steve. So uh, our our biggest um, Corona panic buy, COVID panic buy, was a sawmill. Steve already has one, so that's old hat for him. But uh, and so when we got that, it we you know like well we, that would probably pay for itself pretty quick. Uh, and even it if it has. and even if it didn't, it's there's uh, there's a certain uh, economy to being able to harvest material that's on your own property. We have enough woods, so that made sense. And I'm the one with the piece of paper and like calculator in my head figuring out. Uh, the current lows two by four and what you're actually costing us. So, <laughs> right. so we got that and we got that all squared up and ready to go and didn't even really realize um, like what was going to happen with lumber and what was going to happen with uh, material availability right. and things like that. Uh, Cause none of those things really hadn't hit the fan per se quite well, yet. Nothing, yeah. Like food was 
you know, like you couldn't find toilet paper, but two by fours were fine. And then everybody decided to build a deck while they were on vacation for six months. What's with that? Everyone gets, Hey, was worried about getting your, the coronavirus. So let's all yeah. build pressure treated decks no, and they, burn up all the lumber or they what? They got their Trump bucks and they decided to go ahead. Oh, and, that's actually a good point. Right. That's, yeah. We spent ours on a sawmill and they spent theirs on a deck. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to be stuck at home, you might as well enjoy the backyard. Right. Or I wonder if the build a deck if, to buy a grill to grow you think, out. More. You think there was a run when on you can't grills? buy meat? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I wonder, I wonder if there was, was there a run on Weber grills? I don't, I didn't hear about that, but I did know that most Tiki people torches. couldn't find like pork roasts for under $40. I think I saw alcohol sales were like way up. So maybe wow. everyone's just enjoying a They were making American sanitizer, duh. Right. Right. <laughs> So that was kind of like the, uh, really other than that, not really anything that I can think of has changed at all during all of that around here. The, uh, I mean, the cows don't really care, neither do the pigs, what the TV says or the Facebooks are telling us to, what, what to believe. They don't check their Facebook. But uh, I think mostly my biggest thing was sticking with some sort of a routine as far as like for us, you know, homeschool stuff went. So that was, you know, just sticking with it and a lot more time because a lot of things were canceled. And has anything changed as far as like homeschooling? Just a lot more people trying it out. And I mean, for us, Oh, for us? No, no, not, not, nothing. Co-op was probably the only thing that changed really. Like activities, you know, those got canceled because of it. But other yeah. than that, I think us having more time at home and less time running from place to place was it. Yeah. Which, you know, the kids are like, eh. So for anyone listening who are, is, they're maybe thinking about homeschooling or they're doing the um, virtual school, the virtual stuff. That's that would be hard. Talk I, a little bit about what homeschool looks like for us. Homeschool uh, for us, like I said, hadn't changed. It's a lot of the same. Where you know, you do your math every day, you do your reading every day. You know, you do your normal daily things and your responsibilities. The fun stuff went. You know, it's like, oh, let's go to this class or go to that class and have extras. That changed, but um, a lot more people trying to figure out, do I homeschool or is this new school that the school's telling me to, you know, that because we have to stay at home, is that homeschooling? Uh, But when your school is giving you the clock in and clock out times and, you know, you have to be on this chat and that chat, that's not homeschooling. And and it's a lot harder (laughs) because you don't have the freedom to choose. And, um, you know, when my kids want to sleep at until nine or have a snack at 10, they're allowed to choose to do that. Um, uh, If you're on a virtual school schedule uh, with your local public school, that's not what you get to choose to do. (laughs) So it's a lot different. Um, And I kind of feel badly for those parents that think that that's homeschooling because that's not the freedom to homeschool or not what I've experienced in the last decade of homeschooling. So, I feel bad for those people thinking that this is what homeschool is because it's, that's not, it's not any fun. I see kids talking about, you know, the parents talking about the kids in tears and they couldn't get into this class or couldn't log into that class. And that's just not fun. So really have enough internet to 
I don't know how we could do that. Hillbilly rear ends I, on this thing, let alone. There's no way. We could not seven do that. kids. No. On internet. Can't do it. So we actually had to, um, uh, we, 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 it was probably back in like February or March, maybe when we, when we did the, one of the first, uh, these little, uh, farm chat zooms. Well, we were having problems cause we didn't have enough internet. Right. The biggest probably update to the Corona's is I thought we had a solid business connection for the farm. Not no. so much. That's why we're a little late today. Cause we were, we had a, like a whopping 2.1 megabytes. Yeah. High speed, low drag. <laughs> um, Super high speed internet. So what we had to do is kick all of our kids off of their um, face boxes and stuff. And uh, I don't feel too bad about that. But so now I have a whopping 3.3. Um, I mean, you, right. look, you look pretty good on at 3.3. Everybody's looking good. So that's not, I'm, I'm not too, too worried about it, but hopefully it all streams through. Okay. So we'll see. Yeah. But yeah. So, so yeah, nothing really changed. <clears throat> Feeling bad for those ones that are thinking that homeschooling is signing on to your public school uh, internets and, you know, sitting in front of the computer for eight hours instead of in the classroom um, and not even allowed to wear your PJs. Oh, <laughs> so the whole, homeschooling, that's not fun. <laughs> homeschooling's been, been good for us in a lot of ways, but one of the ways that I guess I first should probably say I want to say homeschooling is not for everybody just because maybe it's not, but it, it were, it's is for a lot of people. Uh, and for us, you know, on a homestead, um, you know, everything is so weather and timing dependent. It's nice to be able to include the kids and actually have their help on a lot of these things while at the same time take their learning to like a whole different level. Well, yeah, there's a lot more like dad pulling you into shop class a lot more often than, um, you know, there are um, lots of opportunities to learn how to build a building or put on a roof or um, I mean, drive a tractor or use intense, an excavator. Pretty intense math. Like, okay, uh, all right, kids, would you rather learn algebra today or go to the farm and learn what a six quarter board is on the sawmill. What do you think the answer is going to be on that one? <laughs> They're going and getting glitter, you know, getting sawdust glitter on them. So, that, so that's kind of cool to be able to do that. Or, you know, I, I guess, you know, because we weren't raised around all this kind of thing, but we get the understanding that so many things around the farm are so weather and timing specific that unless you have the opportunity to really see all the seasons all the way through to get that natural flow of things, you really take it for granted. Like uh, when it's dry and it's nice and it's in these temperatures, okay, we can get these things done. Right. If it's going to be cold or muddy or wet, we can do these things and that, and you can kind of maximize um, the, th the, the, I guess the efficiency around the farmstead because you have the luxury and the flexibility in your schedule to kind of do that. Right. Well, and I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, I can go and say, or, you know, if we don't get to this this week, that's okay. Like, we're slow and steady. We can do school all year. It's okay. You're still reading every any day. Any time of the day. Yeah, any time of the day. If we wake yeah. up at, you know, 9 and 1, everybody wants to get their stuff done, that's fine. And if it's not until 3 or 4, that's fine too. And if you're doing – I have kids wanting me to grade their math on Saturdays. I'm like, my day off. It's okay. I don't want to grade your math. I'll do it Monday. <laughs> But, but that they, they want to do it. Okay, that's fine. I don't care which day you do it. But 
they're also it's like more um what's what what's what I'm looking for they're more they're self-starting. They're, they're independent. St- yeah, that's it. That's it. They lead yeah. themselves. Yeah. They know what they're supposed to do. They're not cringing and, how, and running away from it. Yeah. Of course, there's things, certain subjects that they... Well, there's a kid that's halfway through the math book, and we just started. And I'm thinking, hold on, i got to buy another math book. And she's just excited just go to... go at their own speed. Yeah, yeah. but and that's fine. But um, they, ha- they have the ability to do that. And, was, you know, like, you, so you've got seven... Well, Nate, Nate graduated. Right, so six. So that, that's home. big news. That happened um, yeah, since all this. Yeah, our oldest yeah. Nate graduated. Yeah. And now he's 18. He's got a job and he's, you know, starting off and kind of building his own his own life that way, which is which is great. Yep. And the rest of the kids are working into them their own, I guess, individualism, individualisticness. Yeah, they're on they're a turn, They're just turning they're, into themselves. They've got a plan. <laughs> um, and what's nice is like, there's like not, there's no really alarm clocks uh, for the most part. We have a couple. Unless you count my voice. There, there's a couple of them that will really, they will literally sleep in until 11 if you let them. So we're usually up and at them, uh, especially early the following morning if they try to pull something like that. But to be fair, um, you know, these kids work harder than most adults I know. So when it's time to go to bed, they are, they, they have no uh, difficulty getting to sleep at night. Right. Um, and so um, that's, that, that's kind of nice. It's not like we're exactly running a uh, child labor camp per se, because we do feed them three times a day. So I think we're or automatically out, out of that. Or more. <laughs> or more. Yeah, or more. I want to pretend they only eat three times a day, but uh, it's just, I guess, you know, for, for me, I really appreciate the fact that um, this was all your idea years ago when we were still city slickers. Uh, and when I was a kid, uh, you know, growing up and raised in church, the homeschool kids and the homeschool families, you know, uh, I, lo- I liked them as friends, but it just seemed different. And it didn't seem like weird, just, just seemed different and odd from what I was used to. And your parents didn't do it. Right. And that. And so when you, you know, threw that on us years ago because Nate well, had some difficulties. Well, homeschooling in the 80s and 90s necessarily wasn't the the cool thing to it do. It wasn't the cool thing. It was no. like, this was like, there were people breaking laws and keeping their kids home and fighting against, right. sending them and fighting to make homeschool legal. Um, so there's like pioneers of homeschooling and that's pretty cool. But it wasn't, it wasn't cool. It wasn't the thing to do. You were the weirdo. You were like the unsocialized homeschool kid because you didn't do anything but go to church (laughs) Wednesday and Friday and Sunday. I mean, that's probably, you know, one of the the best callings laid on your heart to do that because I know without a shadow of a doubt, our kids wouldn't be who they are. uh, If we hadn't, if you hadn't been, uh, upfront and honest and dedicated to to follow that through when you said hey yeah what do you think about this yeah you know and i'm like well hey i mean i'll give it give me give it a shot and it's it's really turned out um i'm not as crazy as you thought (laughs) and well (laughs) there's still time we've been married uh 20 years this coming week can you believe that 20 years i haven't run you off yet one of us is crazy or both. <laughs> yeah. 
I know what side of the, the, that my bread's buttered on. So you're uh, not even eating bread. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, she's got me back on keto. That's another big thing. You got me on the ketos again. Yeah, well, sort of. Extra cookies and Netflix didn't. Oh yeah, Dirt. yeah. I would say it had to have been about eight March and April and May. Got into a bad habit of, of like watching, uh, you know, some of these like Homesteady Survival shows the kids like. And I'm a sucker for pecan sandies and a glass of milk. The next thing you know, the whole thing of pecan sandies is gone. gone. And you drink the milk, but you ain't got room, but you don't want to waste it. Look at Tim, he knows. And you, you drink the rest of that milk, and then he's like, oh, boy, that hurts. The then you go to bed. And like, oh, he oh. wants to say pecan sandies like uh, everybody else was eating them, and he's the only one no, eating them. He's the only one, like the only one polishing them off. You so. get them dunked in there just right until they almost like fall out of your hand. They're so soaked up, and you, it's like drinking a – oh, man. Wrong. Just wrong. So if I ever relapse, the first thing I'm going to relapse with is a whole, whole thing of them pecan sandies. Uh, but the glass of milk would be from a different source. So there's some more updates. So I guess um, with the homeschooling, there's if you want to learn more about homeschooling, you know, there's there's probably people that are really good at like laying out exactly what they do and how they do it. But I think that for us, I won't do that. <laughs> there, there's I think for us, like it, it literally is. Um, it's such not of a big deal that it's really, there's nothing really to share with you. Like it's, it's, we have, we have some book curriculum and we have some online stuff. Right. But I think the most important thing, and I've told us a few friends this that that have come and asked is that like, you have to do what works for you and you have to really like take time. If your child has been in public school to understand how your child learns best. And sometimes it's how they learn best and how you teach best. Yeah, that's true. So you have to learn both and buying a one, one shot curriculum usually is hundreds of dollars and wasted money later because you're going to both be in tears and say, I hate doing this. <laughs> Where's the yellow bus? Yeah. And so I encourage people when they start to not buy a bunch of stuff to start out with the library and places that are free, like easy peasy and Khan Academy and just start slow and steady read to them every day and do some math. And it doesn't have to be in like super uber booky, you know, whatever. If you can find, I, I'm real big and I say it all the time on the, on the fat, fat B man chats, um, on the, with the country beekeeper show. Um, if you really, it's, it's a little bit trickier with homeschooling. If you can find a mentor, somebody who has already gone down this road a little bit, like they will also want to help you succeed. Reach out to them, ask, you know, see if they'll, you know, give you a call, answer some questions. Uh, that really, uh, I think helps out because for a lot of us, uh, what are we like? I guess we're not boomers. We're that's older than us. We're like, uh, I'm not sure what we're called. Whatever we're called, it seems like folks our age, late 30s. Are we millennials? I don't think, I think we're something after that. I don't know. I think we're old because we don't even know. <laughs> Anyways, it seems like there's a lot of folks in our time, in our, you know, right around our age have some pretty, I'll say, interesting self-educating habits to where if you want to be an expert at something, you go to YouTube. If you want to be, you want to know it all about something, you do this, you do that. Uh, and the problem with that is there's a lot of actually real life uh, experience within people. Uh, and if you can find a mentor uh, and learn from them, learn the ropes uh, and get an, an actual true 
picture of a situation, find you a mentor. Um, and you know, not everyone's cut out to be a mentor. Unfortunately, not everyone's cut out to be a mentee, but everyone I think is cut out to learn and do better. Um, and you have to kind of use the tools uh, that you can find to do that. So if you can find a homeschooling mentor to ask, you know, to start the conversation, get you, get you on track because man, let's face it. Uh, it can be, if anyone has ever gone to a homeschool convention, Holy, holy wow. cow. I mean, those are different. Hey, if, if you don't want faith-based curriculum, great. If you do want faith, faith-based, great. If you want some of both, great. But what you end up, what you run into uh, is it's just, if you go to a homeschool curriculum, it's literally a indoor arena full of stuff. And if you're a brand new and you think you're going to walk through all these aisles and look at all this curriculum. It's like going to the circus oh, and thinking you're not walking out with one of those things that spins and lights up. It's not going to happen. You're going to walk out with hundreds of dollars of stuff that you didn't maybe not, not use again. <laughs> right. And someone will sweet talk you into saying this or that, or, you know, everyone. Well, this looks really good. So it, I always brought it, Greg and said, he'd go, no, you're not going to do that. Or yeah. you're not going to use that or whatever. And he talked me out of most of what I was going to buy. And then we'd like have some books, you know, like, yeah. because there'd be cheap books or something there, but start you know Ugh, some, start people, some, some people are thrown right in the hot water this year with it and we're trying to or, or even with the um what do you call the computer learning thing it's like a virtual virtual learning uh, yeah. yeah virtual academies and things like that but that's that's, that's hard because there's a lot of school districts yeah, I, saying this is the option you have if you're not going to send your kids with a mask and blah 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 or we're not doing um in-person learning so you have to do it this way and that's hard because the parent can't just assume that, you know, the babysitter is going to do it for them. And that then they're at the home trying to do it. And it's really frustrating. And I think there's a lot of parents that are thinking there's gotta be a better way. And there is, if you're, if you want to do it, but you know, it's a rough start, even without the computer to tell them what to do. I mean, I remember the first couple of years wasn't, exactly smooth sailing you just have like to, anything yeah, you have to at. figure it out and you have to keep at it and figure out like you said a lot of it's figuring out how you teach and how they learn and work work it out so if you know we're we are not college educated um what are you talking about oh you are i went to the yeah oh I went to, yeah uh well excuse me medical <laughs> queen medical assistant i totally forgot I about so. that I've been dead. I am well. Um, well, what I was going to say. College education. I was what I was going to say is you don't have to have a college education to teach your kids, um, and you can believe it or not have your own set of learning disabilities, and still qualify to teach your own kids. Believe it yes, or not. Yes, you can. Uh, and so, if you want, if you're on the fence, uh, I don't know. Can you be on the fence right now about it? What's that? What's yes, that? You can. What, I saw. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. If anyone has been paying attention on the Facebooks a little bit. I kind of like funny memes. Uh, I don't pay attention. And, and to I kind of like things that are on the fence that could you could you could you know fall off either way. And uh, I like to watch Mark Smith's Garden on Facebook. Yeah, I do not like to watch your funny memes. memes on Facebook. Yep. yep. I just hope sometimes if I throw something out there, then I got uh, you know someone like Steph Schulte who's really smart. He'll just start, you know throw down the facts one way or the other. On it. Speaking of Steph Schulte, he looks like he's in a lean. To, he's like, you're under a lean to. It looks like. Is that a building? Where's he at? Here, I'm, how do I, how do I, I'm gonna, a shed? I gotta see if that's about here real quick before I forget. Oh, and I, I don't know that that's the one he's on. Here's the one he's on right there. Uh, oh, he's on two. Okay. 
Okay. All right. Uh, next actual, un can you unmute yourself? I want to, I want to know, know about that uh, lean to you got there. Ask to unmute. Can you unmute yourself? He's probably got it locked in. He's like, uh, uh, I want no more wiretaps around here. There he is. There you are. What you got going on there? No, this is just the front porch to my uh, cabin down here in Tennessee. Oh, nice. So, yeah, it's basically a lean-to on the front of it, but uh, there's the there's the house or the cabin. You've been yeah, busy. Just a little, uh, little lean-to here. Nice. Slash. But you have internet. Oh, I have, you, uh, your phone? I have uh, five, five, four bars here. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm jealous. I get like one bar and I have internet. And he's under a metal roof. And he's under a metal roof. Yeah, but he's got his foil hat off to the side. Yeah, it's plugged into his it. phone, and that gives him the extra extra bars. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Okay. Um, so everyone who's just uh, hopping on there, welcome. We're just uh, rambling as usual with uh, no form. No, no we have form. So well, we have fashion. an update. We have fashion. We talked about some homeschooling. We can move on from that because that's you know, I'm off now. It's past eight o'clock on a Friday. So um, we get wild on Friday and, then, night, <laughs> and we talked about your sawmill. And well, we were what talking are you building with that stinking sawmill anyway? Okay. So we, like we mentioned earlier, my uh, eyes still panic, panic buy was the, uh, was the sawmill and didn't realize that materials were going to become scarce and it's really expensive. expensive. And we thought, Hey, it might actually pay for itself. Yeah. Um, we are literally, about uh, six, six by sixes and a dozen two by six girts away from it actually paying for itself. So literally, uh, that's one, two, three, four. I'm about four logs away from that uh, sawmill already paying for itself. Nice. That's pretty cool. What I, here's, what I, here's what I like about it. And there's a lot of guys on here who have been farming and way longer than we have who would appreciate it. Is there's, there's something about how things were done the old time way, not because uh, they were um, smarter or stronger or more in tune with nature, even though they were all of the above. There's something to me special about using what is on your land for resources. Like, Closing that loop. Did I buy a sawmill and did it get shit from Indiana? Yes. Uh, was there a fuel involved? Yes. On and on and on. Do I use fuel? Yes. But I think it's important when you can to try to close that loop. Um, and while I could go to, uh, well, I can't go to Menards because they won't sell me anything anymore. Kicked out of there. <laughs> That's a different story for a different day. But anyways, Lowe's, Lowe's will sell me stuff. Uh, but you know, a lot of that timber is coming. A lot of it's coming from from the south, which is you fine. You always have to be contrary. You got to keep it contrary, not not intentionally to be a contrarian or to yes, and, yes, that's to exactly intentionally why. well because you don't want to do what they tell you to do. So that's okay. Is it because someone's telling me what to do? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Ask your mom. Yes. Okay, I was born hard headed, so I get it honestly. But I think it's important for folks to be able to look at an event or a situation and not just do what they're told or believe something uh, as fact or truth because somebody in a position of authority said to. 
I think you should be able Until to you tell your kids to do something. <laughs> well, do as I say, not as I do, you know, sure. I mean, we're all, if we're going to be all honest, we all are hypocrites, uh, to a certain extent. Um, but I think it's important to constantly be trying to do better than that and, uh, look, be able to look at situations, uh, to make up your own mind, you know, based on, um, you know, those well, based on the information that you're receiving, the problem is, is you're constantly, it's like the, um, what's that hotel, California, you're, um, you're programmed to receive, you can check out anytime you like, but you can't ever leave. It's like, we're just programmed to constantly eat whatever we're fed. And, um, that's actually a, another idea for another time, but whether it's information or it's food, it's, it's easy to just eat what makes you feel good. And it's a little bit trickier sometimes to eat what's actually good for you and actually what's what I'm looking for. I can't think like what's what we get like nutrients and you eat nutrients. And so nutritious. See, wow. Wow. You had to go to Should have made that coffee that. earlier. Yeah. <laughs> So the sawmill and the your oh, your, the your, your, your two by fours the are paying for themselves well, pretty soon fours. here. We get to build we get to six use weird six, stuff. Six. If we want to use two by nine and a half yeah. or two by fourteen and sixteen one millions, we can. Yeah. So now you get to make what you well, want. Well what I was saying was cool is we get to do like the old timers did and yeah. use the timbers that are right there oh. on your land right right okay like you look at a lot of the like old barns and things and you had uh here locally you have you know some parts of it might be poplar some parts of it might be white oak some parts might be black locust some parts might be uh popple the cool thing is you get to use what is on your property and then it kind of puts you in a position where you actually have to um look at the wood and see what it's good for what might it be used best for Right. Um, but we're using uh, right now, so we're building a sawmill shack to put the sawmill under so we can mill all winter long, um, stay out of the rain, stay out of the snow, get some lights in there. Right. So we can, uh, you know, be cutting through the whole winter. Um, so that's pretty cool. So we started off building this sawmill shack and I found these trusses at an auction oh, for my. nothing. Yeah. And so we had a heck of a time getting them home. That was fun. Thanks to Jeff and his long trailer and hillbilly hoping, rigging we got hoping these. and praying you weren't going to hit any traffic lights man the, if you're the ever <laughs> if you're ever going to buy trusses at an auction you might stand them up first and see what they actually look like i had no idea that these were 11 12 pitch trusses um uh i just you have no idea how big something is until you go to actually set a trust and you're like what in the world so we um ended up cutting all the lumber for the, the beams and the girts and the siding um, and the purlins and the bracing, uh, all that kind of stuff. And we got those trusses for so cheap and it let us be able to build the building with a clear span of 24 feet. So we can drive a log in and set it on there. Um, otherwise we wouldn't really be able to put the whole mill under a building without some uh, either big steel I-beams or some massive um, LVLs. Um, be really, really tricky to um, to do what we were, we were trying to do there. So that those, it was perfect. Uh, so it ended up being like, it's like a two story barn. It'll be like a loft in the top part and the bottom part is where the sawmills at. But then 
I thought, well, shoot, you know, now that we can build this shack any way we want, we can build a shack and put a lean-to on either side. Right. So we've got plans for now for a lean-to to run off each side. Right. And uh, one thing that we're looking forward to here in just about two months is what's going to be inside the one lean-to. Right. So what are you cracking? <laughs> what, are you, what are you cracking the whip on right now? I've got two cows getting ready to freshen, so we we need to get we need to get that lean to on the side because <laughs> they're going to need milk. So um, I'm glad Steve's on here tonight because uh, that is a guy I know. And he knows jerseys, and he knows, knows jerseys and knows milking. <laughs> Yeah. So we might need to pick his brain a little bit to make sure. I'm hoping what we have planned is going to be good enough for well, what we need. And if luck, not luckily, we have had experience with a family milk cow before. Yes, we have had a milk cow before. This isn't our first rodeo. We didn't go buy two bred cows and, with no experience. But we have bought a cow with no experience before. <laughs> That's the first time for everything, right? So we have bought a a cow in milk before, brought her home with nothing on the ground to keep her dry and warm and yada, yada, yada. And it may have been, had no part in it, but she passed away and that broke my heart. So I pouted about it for about three years and decided that we were ready to try again, but better and that we were going to have more than a two horse trailer to milk in and more than uh, some sort of tent kebabber to put her under. So we have a chalet for now and they've been shacking in the chalet uh, all summer and here in the midst of building the lean-to for some extra shelter for the calves and milking because I didn't really want to milk in a two-horse trailer again. <laughs> I guess we, you know, we, uh, I guess. It worked. Yeah. And we made it work, but we saw all the things, you know, 2020 hindsight. So we saw all the things that could have, should have, would have happened and didn't. Um, and I think it was a battle of wanting a cow so badly and all the good stuff that goes along with it and not having the infrastructure and the pasture and the, the things that we needed to mm -hmm. house that cow and keep her healthy and, you know. Um, all cows are created equal. No, First of all, we're not cow experts. We no. only have our experience to go off of. Right. But we were interested in a cow. We were at that time, uh, we bought into a herd share. We're getting raw milk. Right. And um, ended up buying the cow Right. that the herd share came from yeah uh, and she's a cow that had access and was in a barn right in the winters and was milked in the barn right and was out on pasture um, so uh, we were kind of relied on those cow owners to say come out take a look is this going to work right yeah it'll work fine it'd be, it'd be great well what that meant was a um more like a east facing North, yeah, but a north-facing slope with what turned out to be extremely poor pasture and very, very little of it. Um, on that one cow we had up there, maybe an acre, if that, 
Not enough. of grass and it was r- real seasonal to where it would be nice some parts of the year terrible and the other um and we were constantly feeding hay and she had no shelter and so yeah, we got right. one of those quick pop-up tents things that eventually blew away and that was so this cow you know just had zero protection and we thought and i mean this with as little disrespect as possible but we came into the animal husbandry side from the permaculture side of things to where if an animal can't exist outside on its own, then we don't want them. They shouldn't be here. And that's we didn't really fully extent to understand the extent of some of these things until later. Like if you have maybe an, uh, uh, a Jersey milk cow that is barn raised and knows barn and has protection in the wintertime for a barn, you might not be able to just to put that cow out there and expect, it to magically it be in harmony with nature well, and, and its to be environment. Fair, I mean, we we got Dexter's after her, and they and were they totally were fine. they never had a they shelter. And they were fine. They, right. It's a completely different cow and right. a completely different experience. Yep. And uh, hey, Greg. So. Hey, yeah. Greg. Hey, You're Steve. only going to have one cow. Two. Two. Okay. Well, you better have at least two. Yeah. Well, there actually be four. I guess technically speaking. Uh, there's two of them and they're both going to freshen. Two separate times. Yeah. One was bred and due in uh, end of October and uh, then the other one's the end of November or yeah. mid-November. It's, they're a few weeks apart. We're, we're, up, to, we're up to six now. Wow. And, uh, but, but four of them are dry. We've got them dried up right now, waiting for them to freshen. So we're, uh, we got plenty of milk, but yeah, I hear a lot of people wanting a milk cow, you know, <laughs> and they don't, they're going to have to dry her up sooner or later. And uh, so, it, you know, you have to have at least two. We, we, did, we uh, didn't realize we were going to end up with six, but. Uh, <laughs> and, and you want to milk twice a day? Uh, my idea with the kids and everything was to calf share milk once and then share with the calves. I'm hoping, but I hear jerseys aren't much on sharing, so I don't know if they're gonna hold yeah. up on me or if I'm gonna end up having to milk twice a day. We, we're, we're just milking once a day and that's and no calf on, on the milk on the cow for the other time. We just milk once a day. Yeah. And they run just us through you how, Steve, run us through how you do what you do, because there's a, probably a lot of folks that are gonna listen we are looking at getting a family cow a lot or, of or maybe not, not maybe there's a better way to do it. Can you run us through, uh, how you do your, your dairy? Well, we've got, uh, like I said, we've got the six cows. We, we keep them come. We, they still come in the milking parlor every day. All six of them do two at a time. And we, and we give them a little feed, but we're only milking two of them right now. We've got a herd share, but it's the problem with the herd share is you get people that are really interested. You know, oh, they they really want that milk. They really want that milk, and before you know it, they stop coming and they're gone. So that's why right now we've only got a couple people in the herd share, but uh, we, we actually converted one of our ten by ten horse stalls into a, uh, a milking parlor. Uh, concrete, heated, uh, lights, uh, drain, the whole hot water, and uh, we we use a milking machine. We've got a, a vacuum pump. We don't do it by hand, 
and it only takes us for two cows in the we, we only milk once in the morning and it only takes us about oh 15 20 minutes so but it gets us out of bed in the morning that's what we like and then we go well, then we really go to work so you don't have any cow are there, are there any calves with them or did you you sell the calves off uh we normally when they have when they freshen they have a calf we'll leave the calf on for about two days we don't like to leave the calf on any longer than that because the cow really gets attached to the calf and so we'll take the calf off and actually feed it that cow's milk or or one of the cow's milk until we can decide what we're going to do with it if it's a bull calf we'll sell it uh we've got i think four of our cows are from calves that we've raised so if it's a heifer we'll probably raise it and uh and uh, use it as a replacement. But uh, how do you um, orchestrate the the calf and cow if it is a, a heifer and you decide you want to keep her? Do you keep her away until she's grown? Does not. Uh, yeah, we just we keep her in the in the in the barn down there where the milk cows are at by herself, and um, then try to uh, wean her off the bottle and. Um, we haven't done that now for a, about a year. We've had problems catching our cows in heat and getting them AI'd. Uh, but we've had a bull in with them now uh, for a good while. And we're hoping they're all bred. Uh, something about a jersey. We With the milk cows, you see them getting bred every once in a while. The milk cows, I don't know. We just can't catch them. Uh, we used to be really good at catching them in heat. And we had a, a neighbor that would come up and AI them for us. Yeah. So we kind of got our fingers crossed now that they're bred. Actually, we bred them back to a beef bull. So there'll be calves that we sell. We won't probably keep any of these. Yeah. Now, so we're, we have a, what is the size of that? So we're looking at the dry race board behind here. The, the dairy shack is going to be 20 by 20 and it's kind of split down the center with a 10 by 20 area that we're going to bring the cows in and milk. And then there's two 10 by 10 stalls that we were hoping to use either as a calf pen or if we need to isolate one or move in and out. Uh, Do you think that would be, I actually was going to message you because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I was, you know, like I had nothing. So am I supposed to know what I need? (laughs) Well, we've got a, ours is a 30 by 40 barn and it's got a, a loafing, part of it is probably about 20 by 20. There's a feed area that's 10 by 10. A, another area that's uh, actually was our tack room for our horses. It has, still has tack in there. And then we keep one stall, a 10 by 10 stall, if we have to, if we have a sick cow or a calf or something. But we also have some, some nice uh, uh, wire, uh, woven wire line gates that we can throw up real quick to make a, make a stall. If we, if we have a calf, it, they, you know, if, if the calf's right there where the cow can see it after we take it away and the calf can see the cow, they're real comfortable with that. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So a 10 by 10 is yeah. pretty good as far as being able size, to yeah. something if you need to. Yeah, it's not, it's not good for a cow and a calf too, too much, but it's, it's plenty room for a, a, a calf or two, two calves even. Okay. That's good. That's what I was thinking because I'm trying to figure out how to bring one in milk 
and then <laughs> send one out, send bring the one other out, in. get the other one in. Cause I don't have a milker that'll do two at a time. We just had the single right. surge. Well, we, uh, what we do, and it's, and it's it, I ought to make a video of it because when we get on the first thing in the morning, the same two cows come in every on their own, the same two cows, and then one of them gets milked. We've got a stanchion where two cows, we can put two cows in the stanchions, and uh, we only milk one at a time, but the first two cows come in, milk one of them, and we say, okay, it's time to go. They'll go out, open the door, and the next two, they know who's supposed to come in. <laughs> the next two come in, and they're both dried up right now. So they just get a little bit of feed, and I tell them, okay, it's time to go. Open the door, sliding door. They go out, and then the next two come in, and it's always just the same two together, and we milk one of them, and uh, that's that's about it. It takes, it takes maybe a half an hour total the time we get down there till we clean up and come back to the house. And, uh, but it's nice to have, uh, we used to milk on a, a dirt floor with a straw and it really is nice to have the concrete. Yeah. Uh, keep things clean. And, uh, that, that was, that was a big improvement when we built the, the milking parlor and it's insulated. We're warm in the winter and That's fairly nice. cool in yeah. the summer. We'll have to come down and get a, a little hands-on dairy lesson from you guys there sometime. That'd yeah, be, yeah. No problem. That'd be great. It's always worth to learn from someone who, who's been doing it and knows and is willing to share. Uh, it just saves an awful lot of heartache. Uh, yeah, that's... And then we can pass that on to somebody else down the road, too, you know. But. Yeah. Well, it sounds like what we'll have, it will be good enough for the two we have and the calves they have for now. I don't know what we'll get when they, when they calve, but we'll see if they stay or not. Yeah. I think if we were able to make that cow in poor conditions work in a two horse trailer mobile stanchion, I'm pretty sure we can do better with these ones uh, with the current setup. But I'm looking forward to, I feel like, uh, we should own stock in Aldi's half and half because that's from Sam's club. Oh, we'll see, but anyway, we can see who does the shopping around here. <laughs> yes. Half and half is, uh, this constantly being consumed by the coffee drinker of the house. And there's nothing better than real cream. Yeah. And mm. butter and oh, milk, man. but butter, we don't want to tell cheap. you that, huh? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, cool. Well, thanks, Steve, for the input there on the cows. If you don't care, we'll probably reach out to you at some point and try to pick your brain before we make any more mistakes. Sure. If we have any heifer calves, I might uh, give you a, a ring on those, too. You might uh, uh, might want one of those. Yep. I'm hoping for one. I mean, they're such beautiful cows, so I'm hoping we oh, get yeah. at least one, but... We'll see. You never we, know. We can't. We know. We can't. Uh, we'd be happy to um, find good homes because we we don't have the uh, the holding capacity for for four. We barely have it for two. So uh, that might be a good idea. Is to well, we, find we have good to keep for the heifer calves. Yeah, it's having to keep rotate rotating and you know keeping them on fresh pasture is important to me anyway. But I don't want to feed them hay constantly, and we just don't have the acreage because there are so many trees everywhere. <laughs> so. But cool. All right. Well, thanks, Steve. 
Uh, I guess with the milk, you know, we've got a, we can, you can, we're going to have so many things that we can do with it. And in worst case scenario, we'll still have pigs. Uh, and so I guess the pigs will still enjoy it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I guess right now we're down to, we're not down to, uh, we, we, a lot of folks went crazy and got some, uh, meat on hoofs, uh, during this whole thing. And, um, then found out, Oh shoot, we can't get butcher dates. So, uh, usually, you know, we only have, we, we in the past have only really had to get ahead of, uh, I mean, we usually try to February or March get, um, wiener pigs and then they're ready by about October, November. And, uh, we, we got ours late, um, Easter. We've, we finally they found some, uh, found some Tamworths and I like them. Okay. They're not, they're not as good as, uh, I like Steve's, um, I like them old spots that Steve's got there. Those are, those are the best pigs probably because they're also milk fed and delicious, but <laughs> I just, I like those old spots that he has, but we had these Tamworths this time and we, we've had them before and yeah. they're, they're just a little bit more, they're just, they're great. They're going to have a little longer loin than the old spot, a little bit more bacon, but it's just a different kind of a different pork is yeah. what it, you know, is what it is. It's just, right. it, it'll be good. Um, it all makes bacon, which is right, good. Right. Um, we just, I was a little bit behind the, uh, a little bit behind the game on getting the butcher date. On, I, on I was behind there. the game. I'm normally the one that and calls. And so when we called just to double think. check, they said, Oh no, we only have it down for so-and-so. And it's like, Oh, well, guess what we're doing? We're going to have two to butcher, which is no problem. You know, so I guess it'd be a good opportunity to finally take some video on, a little ins and out. Will we get kicked off YouTube? Probably. We'll probably be kicked off Facebook by then anyway, so it'll be fine. Won't really matter if we get kicked off YouTube for posting pig butchering stuff, but um, well, I can always, you know, feed a little extra to the, or the whey or anything leftovers can go right to the pigs there. Uh, speaking of pigs though, uh, there's quite a few pig experts on here. And let's see, let me see if I can unmute her. Kate, from Birch Rise Farm there in New Hampshire. Are you on there? I am. Hello. How's it going? It's good. I'm going to have to be quiet because the kids are sleeping, but it's good. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yell at oh. me. Look at her kids. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, is, uh, how are the pigs doing in New Hampshire? The pigs are good. Uh, we have 47 right now growing wow. on the farm. Yep. Here, I'll turn my camera on so you guys can see me. There wow, that's, that's Hi. A lot of pigs. <laughs> yes. Hi. So we have um, eight guilty cows. <laughs> we do. <laughs> so one thing that we do is the moment the hooves are, we're breeding farms. So the moment they're born, I have butcher dates. I even have butcher dates for some that aren't born yet. Just in case. So, yeah. yeah, just in case, just to make sure, because I'm sending 10 and 12 at a time. Nice. Yeah. How long have you guys been raising that many pigs? Four years. Wow. Yeah. Um, we folks. started with we started with two thousand a boar, and now we're up to eight thousand a boar. Wow. Yep. That's a busy boar. He is. He's a happy boar, but he's, he's busy. Having the dream right there, isn't he? <laughs> he's doing what he was meant to do. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot he's of folks good. trying to get into all this, uh, raising mm -hmm. meat birds for the first time, pigs. 
uh, getting a family milk cow. Yeah. If you had a couple tips to pass on to brand new uh, folks who are just getting in, I guess you're, if you're getting into pigs this time of year for the very first time, you're really in for a special <laughs> treat. But if yeah. you're smart and you wait until February or March and then start, do you have some tips for folks that are just getting started? Well, a few things that I can say a few calls that I got this year um, from people who got feeder pigs out of Indiana and Pennsylvania. Um, a few of them were, well, it's not, they're not gaining weight. So one thing is to definitely deworm, especially if you're putting them on pasture that, um, that, you know, it's fresh pasture. It could have any parasite in it. So a big thing is deworming. Um, a lot of people just didn't do that. And then their pigs got very, very sick and just never Unless gained weight. like spaghetti noodle treasure hunts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, well, another person was wondering how he was going to get them to the butcher. So having a trailer or somehow that you can, uh, making sure that you can rent a trailer or something. One guy's, well, I picked them up in my Prius, oh, wow. but never really knew how Good to luck. get them there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, butcher dates is huge. Uh, another thing is um, some people were told to only feed them six pounds a day or eight pounds of feed a day, and they're just going to grow a lot slower. So we do free feed to ours, um, and that was something that was very surprising to them. It seems like we, when we first were getting going, we were pretty much feeding about five pounds a day per head, and then they foraged uh, for their diet, and then we tried give them, giving them free feed. And I actually mm -hmm. noticed, uh, you know, rather than using like 1,100 pounds over a course of a hog, they were using like 1,000 or 1,050. Mm -hmm. They're actually using less feed per hog over the entire, their lifespan, over their duration. Right when they had it free because um, if you know, there's so many different, I, don't, I wouldn't say one way is right or wrong because some people right. will hardly feed them at all because they're raising a certain breed and they mm -hmm. are giving them scraps and that meets their context and their goals. That's great. But um, it seems like you can get a little more yield um, out of an animal doing things a certain way. But what, what was, more, you know, when you're, it seems like when we were bucket feeding is what it was every day, that certain ration, you know, um, if you had to keep the math simple, if you had 10 hogs and you plan on five pounds, if that's one bag you're feeding them every day of their life from day one on, mm -hmm. they're not going to eat that much day one, but that's enough right. to keep uh, uh, maybe like a, you know, 45, 50 pounder, 60 pounder alive easy. Um, but they're always, there's always, and you probably know, cause you're probably missing the rubber on the back of your muck boots too. Uh, not oh, I've gone through a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, when you when you do the bucket feeding thing, sometimes they're just a little, they're really uh, excited to see you in the morning because mm -hmm. they're hungry, um, and they're just it, it can be rambunctious. And so, depending on how many pigs you have, what kind of set, set setup that you're in, it can be a little bit dangerous too, especially when they get oh yeah be 150 or 200 or two right at 250 or three when you go to take them in. It can be just a we have um, against your leg. We have you know, twelve. Well, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> oh, we have twelve that are finishing in the last paddock. So we do a rotation of pinwheel system or wagon wheel system where they finish in the center. So we could just put them into the trailer, and we have twelve in there right now. Um, we're actually trying Duroc for the first time. I'm actually a Berkshire breeder, mm. um, so we're trying Duroc for the first time. So we have six of them and six Berkshires, and they're. 300 plus. Yeah. Um, 
on hoof. I, I think one's even almost 380 and they're all in there. And when I go in there, it's That's... just crazy. They just, they all want to get a nibble of me. I have to wear my steel toes for sure. They're when they're, when they're that big, uh, and you, you, it's hard to really explain it unless anyone's been around it, but when they get mm -hmm. that big, they're so muscular and their center of gravity is so low. Uh, I mean, I, I weigh 245 and they, they, they can throw a grown man around if you're not mm -hmm. expecting one. If you're uh, not paying attention. Let, really... let alone if it's actually like a 600 pound boar or a sow. Um, but then when those pigs get up to like 300 pounds, you know, when they sound off, when they see you coming or they get in there and they start, <clears throat> You know, you some of it's some of it's is the the, the acoustics on work. that. Yeah. You feel it deep on the inside of you, uh, and I don't care who you are. It, it alerts something in your brain to say, "Well, I shouldn't be afraid." These are my pigs, but what in the world? There's a it, it alerts a certain amount of danger to it, to where it seemed like when we free feed, um, mm -hmm. you know, unless we we found some uh, these gravity fed turkey feeders at an auction for like fifty bucks years ago. And the pigs don't care that there's a picture of a turkey on there because they can still get in there and feed off them. Uh, and that, and I think they hold. I think we can get 800 pounds in there. I don't remember. And we never usually put that much in it because we're moving. We have several of them, and so we just they when it goes mm -hmm. empty, we're moving. They usually move them into the next paddock. This year we've actually been. I don't want to say lazy because it's not like it's been lazy, but the the the, we're the very few pigs Netflix, we're only no. raising five pigs this year right um and so their impact has been so little like i do need to get them out uh to a new fresh piece of woods but um uh that's a different story yeah that's that that's a good good tip is if you're thinking about just doing the bucket feeding thing if that works for you great and you're comfortable that's great it's just a you know with, with all these things there's 18 different ways to skin the cat for every day of the mm -hmm. week that there is, but we also saw a huge difference. But when you see problems, like yeah. when you said you got a call, you see, see problems and you're like, well, you maybe need to do it a little differently. <laughs> yeah. 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 One thing that we don't, uh, you guys are saying you give milk to the pigs. We actually don't do that because we found that the it changed the Berkshire meat. So we actually don't even give them milk at all. Yeah. Well, we won't be yet. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think like we were talking about how the, the Jersey cow that we got uh, did very mm -hmm. poor raising it like a Dexter or an Angus did very, very poor. I think the same thing. Um, I don't think that all pigs are necessarily uh, equal either equal, no. because um, no. there, are, there are some really fine, fine uh, porcine specimens that do really, really well. So well on milk um, that there's an entire, um, festival called Cochon Delay down south to where all they do is feed these hogs milk yep. and then um, roast them hog. Matter of fact, when I got a hold of Steve Hedrick the other first time and I, and I wanted, I thought I wanted to get a roaster um, and it turned out that he, because they have the dairy, they were getting, they were getting fed dairy. There's milk fed pigs um, for that old spot. It was really good. It works. But like Kate said, for you know different breeds, you know there are, you can't. It's not a it's not a one size. You can't go to a pig raising class and then try to do that at home in different circumstances with a, with a different breed and expect the same result. Right. And so hopefully you don't have to learn the hard way. Um, but um, that's that's cool. So those Berkshires are like nothing but shoulders. 
nothing but hams to be 400 and they probably they probably don't get a real big fat cap do they it all nope, goes they do not yeah. yeah yeah it's a very lean pig we like it a lot yeah. but it does take about eight months to grow them yeah Nice. See how long it takes to get into a butcher, though. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, good <laughs> yeah. luck. Because everyone's going to be at 13 months unless uh, there's going to be a run on butchering, uh, folks. You know, I, you know what's kind of cool, though, is it's going to put folks in a position this year where they're going to have to butcher their own animals, which I think is awesome. Yeah, but I don't know how many people would actually do that. I mean, I. Some people aren't going to have a choice because they panic mm-hmm. bought pigs like we bought sawmills and then realized, oh, shoot, I can't get this. Uh, 40, they bought a pig at 40 pounds and they but want to take it in. how many people are just going to say, well, I guess we'll just keep feeding them and wait oh until they're, they're going to have 600 a pounds. zillion pound pig that... Or we'll start know, having feral pigs. We'll just roll people them just let them go. Well, they got a real big... Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. wow. Um, we actually have up here in the Northeast, we have in New England, um, a mobile butcher. He'll come mm. to your house and butcher the pig. Yeah. Or cow or whatever you want. Really? And that's legal there? It is. Yep. It's not wow. USDA, obviously, but you can just go and he'll butcher it right at your house. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Greg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's what's really thrown a wrench in our work. You know, we got the retail meat market here that we, we sell here on the farm. And we have to have a USDA inspected meat. And Right now, I'm I, my neck. The next two beef we have to take in are next April. Wow, uh, we this this really threw a wrench in our works. They come in and wiped us out, bought all the beef we had. We had two more scheduled right away and brought them home. And we sold 500 pounds of hamburger in two days, oh it was God. gone. So we had to basically stop our. our meat sales and it really has has hurt our uh, uh you know the income on the farm because we can't get them in to get them butchered right and uh, we do we did get a couple hogs in we do have some pork to sell and chickens but uh yeah everybody taking their finding a a, a a steer and and booking all these uh processing plants these small processing plants taking all our spots <laughs> so uh, it's it's kind of we're at a standstill on our on our uh, retail meat sales, and you don't have a choice because it's not going into your freezer to do anything but a USDA inspected facility where individuals can go to ones that maybe aren't because it's going into their own freezer. They're not reselling it. Right, right. And uh, we, we like to sell the, the way we do it. You know, we sell by the pound because people can choose what they want. Yeah. A lot of people don't have a freezer anymore. Well, you can't buy a freezer right now, hardly. But uh, they don't want a half a beef. You know, they want 20 pounds of hamburger and some steaks. And, and that's, so that's the way we sell. And uh, it, it's worked out real well for us up until recently here. And now we've had a lot of people want a half a beef or a whole a whole beef, and we're just not set up to do that yet. But uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's um, and and you know, there is no there was no meat shortage. You know that, right? Right. <laughs> it, no, it was a shortage of being able to spike processed prices. <laughs> Steve, if uh, folks are listening and they want to get 
uh, on the list or they want to get with you on meet when you do have it, where's the best place for them to find you? On Facebook, Mountain View Farms. Okay, Mountain View Farms on Facebook. Get all of Steve Hedrick. Thanks, Steve. And Kate. And Kate, let's see. Let me get. Is there Kate anywhere here. close to? Let's see. Hey, Kate, unmute yourself here. Can you, there you go. Oh, there if go. folks want to find out more about your farm or uh, get on your list for your uh, New England pork and uh, all whatever other, and you. Have, I think I see your, you do Facebook lives a lot too. So folks can, can get a little sneak peek in on what you're doing and where can folks yep. find uh, out more about your farm, what you do and how they get a hold of you. Sure. So Facebook is probably the best, but we do also have a website. Um, I'll put it in the chat or link to our Facebook page. I actually just put the link to the mobile butcher on there. You can check him out too. Uh, it's called butcherpeats.com. I put it in the chat for everybody, but I'll put our Facebook page in but yeah, we have a, a farm store on the farm as well. And we have slaughtered over 75 pigs since May 1st, I think. Wow. And I have maybe 100 pounds of meat left. It's just wow. been insane. Yeah. And we're, uh, I'll probably do about 1,200 meat birds this year, just chicken and 300 turkeys, I believe. So we're busy. <laughs> yeah. So we hope to um, post this uh, to our uh, podcast um, feed. If folks want to find out, is there a list or just if folks go to birchrisefarm.com, how do folks get a hold of you if they want to get on your list for meat? Oh, I got muted again. There you go. Where can they find Sorry, you? I have new headphones. Um, so it's uh, birchrisefarm.com or just birchrisefarm uh, on Facebook as well. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for the pig tips there. Thank you. I'll be awesome, glad. Awesome. I'll be, you know, it, one of the things nice, I'm not going to lie. When you said, hey, they can't get all the pigs in. And I said, how many can't they get in? You said two. I mean, I was kind of, I, I, I enjoy that. Cause I, I have a one track mind. My mind is on the dairy and the cow side. And so I'm thinking that's the last thing I want to mm -hmm. have to take time to do. <laughs> it's really easy to get real busy. Uh, and some of these things you just have to make the time to do last it year. It doesn't take forever. And it's really, it's you know, fun. I, I really like it. He enjoys it. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's a lot well, of, hey, it's a lot when of you're, work. When you're, when you have this one of a kind chop that money literally can't buy. I mean, there's not, there's not many places you can go to and get a complete tomahawk chop where not only is it the skin on, then the fat cap, and then the bottom rib that goes all the way up with all the loin, all the fat, and all this, where it's skin to skin and one massive tomahawk chop. There's, I'm telling you, that, that makes it worth it right there. Look at Tim. He's laughing. He knows. He, he, he knows good country and he's down in Tennessee. There he is. When you, when you, when you just lightly, just a little, little, bit, little bit of garlic, salt and pepper, and you, and you put that rascal right there you're on, make yourself right there, hungry. The, right there with the charcoal and you're in no hurry at all. You know, you got your coffee, whatever you drink the days and you just, that rascal goes and it's like 45 minutes real slow. It's and then at just, the end, you just blast it and just get that, oh, Like man. anything else, it's just a weekend of work and lots of dishes I'll, I'll and cleaning. To, you're moving on you to the whole, I'm talking about stuff. the pork chop. You're talking about the, yeah, I'm still on the pork chop. I know. Yeah, let me have my minute. You're making yourself hungry. Actually, did you hear my stomach? It just grabbed. I know. 
And I had keto pizza for dinner. I know. I ordered it for you. <laughs> so I really do enjoy butchering the hogs um, and, and doing a couple of things. So you can make those literally, you know, vertebrae thick pork chops. Yeah. Um, you know, you can do your own hand cured bacon. Right. Uh, put them in the cold smoker, a big cold smoker, the smokehouse. We like to put stuff in. I enjoy doing that. And it's just been too busy here uh, to the last year or just been too, no, yeah, it's been a year. It's been a year. Yeah, been too busy to do any of that. So I'm actually looking forward to, to working those um, two up. Um, so really, that's, there's, um, other than that, we've been busy with the bees. Getting, yeah, you um, should talk a little bit about the bees. Well, they're, we're, they're, they've been on cruise control. Last year, they were on cruise control in a bad way because we were building the addition, which we're, oh, you really can't see. Right now, we're sitting in the my banjo room. What? Is that a banjo room? It's a dining room slash homeschool room. Catch all. Right. So, no, it's not a banjo room. But it's, room. it's a banjo. Oh, can you, I don't know if you can see. Let's see. There's see? no banjo in here. Sorry. There's no guys. banjo. You really, well, you, you can't see the whole, so. There, so the whole room is surrounded in this 120 year old, uh, rough cut poplar siding that I took down from our old corn crib. And so I, we just made a big chair rail all the way up in here and then, uh, over in the little breakfast nook and all that. Uh, so it's got really good, just, just the right amount. I should no. just get the banjo. I could, I could get the banjo. I'll just make it a banjo show. No, no. Keep talking about the bees because it's not going to be a major. <laughs> so uh, we were busy with the addition last year, uh, with the last two years. And about the 4th of July comes um, up here in Ohio when it comes to bees. There's just, uh, um, you know, if you're making splits that late, you know, and you can, but you got to be on it. You got to really pay attention um, because if you're going to make splits that late and do real lean splits, I'm talking like, you know, one frame or two frame splits uh, in July, you really got to maintain those. Uh, they, they need extra elbow grease to make sure that they thrive, that they don't get high beetles, that they don't get robbed out, um, that they get built up like how you want. And that didn't happen. And some stuff built up so well last year that they decided to swarm and then swarm. And then what was left wasn't a whole lot. And then high beetles came in. And then you end up putting all that time, effort, and energy uh, into – uh, growing out a bee yard that you can't maintain that you've lost control on and they just you end up just taking one just just getting kicked in the rear so and you know the whole time your wife didn't say i told you so and well not she's not that, that cruel she just gives me gentle reminders <laughs> and then the next Why year would you be doing that and then in the next season? year so then this year rolls around and you know last year we we're up, up on 106 highs that we had going at once and um, then you just walk away from them and that doesn't really work out so good. And then, you know, I don't know why. this year I said, okay, look, I know we've got all this going on. Uh, I, right now in our BR, I can't manage 106 hives. So let's cut that back and then cut it back. And then just once I caught whiff at that sawmill was being shipped, uh, oh, I'll be the first to admit my brain. I mean, I was, I was, there's so many bees out there. I said, okay, well, they'll just let them be on their own. Um, they can babysit themselves, right? They're just they'll behave. <laughs> oh, they'll be good. Um, and so we had a you know bunch of real roles, you know, small colonies that we were you know had you know we were getting built out and trying to grow the bee yard, trying to find that uh, really tricky thing called scale, um, to where yeah we can we can make 
hundreds and hundreds like of splits <laughs> a year. That's no problem. You can make hundreds and hundreds of queens. That's no problem. But where we have the problem is when you create the beast, the beast gets hungry, it needs fed, and it needs maintained. And if it doesn't, the beast will break its chain, um, and then then it's going to bite you in the rear. And that seems like what is what happens because we only have so much time to put into it. Um, so th- you know, this year was not quite so bad. Uh, I made less splits later in the year, right. and um, you know, was was happy with what we did as far as nukes and making queens and um, getting the beard, um, you know, grown. But I still pushed things a little too much for the time that I had, and I did this really bad thing. Uh, Mark, he's got bees, and maybe you can chime in. Uh, I, I did this market. I did this thing where. I get out in the bee yard and I get like this, um, I get bee brained. Maybe that's what it's called. And I'm out there and I'm looking and, oh man, this hive has a little extra this, a little extra that. I'm going to go, go, go this. Next thing you know, I just split out my entire yard. Uh, and, I, and then I remembered, oh shoot, I'm supposed to keep those 12 or 13 for her and for honey. Uh, and then, you know, when you're, when you're doing that in like early June, uh, well, you're not getting any spring honey off anything now because you've just used all the honey, made all the splits, um, and then you sort of learned, but you sort of not learned, and then I maybe like, split them. supposed to be my hives? And then you like end up, then you realize, oh shoot, I got all these nukes to go out, and all these queens, and all the bees that you had that you're supposed to keep on the side for honey uh, end up going down the road to other people's farms and houses and homes. And, and they're doing exceptionally well because Greg hasn't had his hands on them since then. How do you, the problem I have, and I was just down uh, visiting my bee mentor, uh, the fat bee man, uh, and uh, apparently it's a common problem. And I guess Don, the fat bee man, suffers from it as well. And probably a lot of beekeepers do. I'm going to ask Mark and see if he's, if he's got any smarter, Mark or Mike or Mark, jeez. Hey, nice cup. Mark's got a real nice cup. Look, I'll hold mine up. I, he's got one in there. Oh, look at this. Oh, look. Wow, you're look crazy. At that. Wow. <laughs> oh, Mark, funny. how do you, how, have you ever learned to say no? Because I have a problem. I can't say no. No, but I, I have definitely had the same problem that you have but you have worsened your problem because now you have a sawmill (laughs) because usually what stops me from growing is when I run out of boxes. See, now you have a sawmill, man, you, you got unlimited box potential. Yep. That's true. You do. That was one, that was one advantage he talked about for getting it is that he would be able to, have his own cut his own yeah bee box supply yeah all that good stuff and i've got four real nice pine logs set aside uh just for that right now if i can get a few hundred boxes ran off and assembled and then stored if somebody needs boxes they can they can come get some if i need my boxes they're and marks that that's a good point because when you have the frames uh and you've got either some starter strips uh, or you have the boxes. If you want to make the splits, it's no problem. You just you get you get your stuff set up. You get them lined up. You pull from your resources. Boom! You make the splits. But when you're out there uh, and you go to and you're looking and oh shoot, where's my? Oh, that's right. I don't have any. Now what am I supposed to do? And you know, 
when you have them there and ready to go, that that's a huge, um, I still, I think when I'm having problems, um, I'm still having this issue where I'm trying to find, well, I'm not too proud to admit it. I sometimes, and I think it's been since I was a kid and being hard headed, I always like to push things. I always like to push the envelope. Um, not because like I'm intentionally looking to fail, but I want to see how far I want to get as close to that line as I possibly can to see where the line is. Because then once I know where the line is, now I can step back a couple steps and I can do better. I know what I'm working with rather than just saying over the next 20 years, I'm going to find out if I can raise 12 hives. Well, if I would wait to the way I would have found out 20 years, well, shoot, you could, that's not your limitate. So I guess I try to find my limitations as early in an endeavor as I possibly can, where I can absorb the loss sort of. Um, so I've been trying to do better with that, but you're a risk taker. Maybe is that, yeah. Okay. Risk. Yeah. In an entrepreneurial way. <laughs> yeah. And another thing that helps me, another thing that helps me keep from doing that is, is multiple yards. You know, I've got two yards that are strictly dedicated to honey production. And then I, I make all my bees at the home yard. And that, that way, if, if in the two out yards, I know that those are just for honey. I'm not going to be splitting all those up. That's it. And, and, and any, any bees that I'm going to make are made at home. So you mean I should say, like, like this should be like, go hide your honey hives, Susan. Yeah. That's what we're actually doing. Is, so we're actually, I'm, uh, I'm moving the queens and the nukes to one yard and the home hives, like you mentioned, um, the ones that are going to be for honey, but also have the extra resources that I don't touch at the house. And I, because I know split down and rob from ones be, that are in a different location. If I have location, to hop in the truck and go down the road uh, and rob bees to do it, I'm probably going to give it a little bit of extra thought. So I'm hoping it, it puts a buffer in there to where if I set myself, if I say, Hey, you make as many Queens and as many nukes as you can from your farm hives, but you don't touch the homestead hives. Then it puts me in the place where I think maybe I'll actually do better. Um, because you can only rob Peter to pay Paul so many times before you're pulling both your pockets out and there's nothing left. Now what? Yeah. Well, you're doing it. You're doing it kind of opposite the way I'm doing it. I moved my honey production away from home. Yeah. Because I have, I don't need to be in those bees as much. Once they get up right. and going and the flow starts, all I got to do is super them. But yeah. it, when I'm making splits and stuff and raising queens and junk, that's right here at home. It takes more equipment. All my equipment's here in the barn. A little more hands-on on the queens yeah. and nukes, like you know, you here you could be in there three times a week sometimes, or more, yeah. depending on what's actually going on. Yeah, yeah. So Mark, my out, my out yards aren't close to home. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark can't say no. What about uh, old old Tim from Tennessee there? Let me put Tim on there. I know Tim. Tim's got some stories of woe, and he's uh, done a great job of rebounding from this year. Yeah, I, I had uh, – I, I overwintered – I came out of winter with 17 hives. Uh, I made uh, 
two frame splits, 10 of them got some mated queens. And uh, the day after I made the split, the railroad come through, <laughs> sprayed the uh, sprayed the dead nettle. And uh, yeah, all these people say that Roundup don't kill bees. I, yeah, I, I disagree with them. <laughs> I think it does affect them. Yeah. But uh, I, we didn't recognize none of us. My, my parents, they got wiped out back in the 90s. They were sideline beekeepers back in the day. So I had studied up on all these diseases and stuff, and I didn't recognize the signs of poison. Never thought about that. So you're seeing, like, the hives just puking bees out. You're not, you don't even think, close it off. To, to save something to, to test. And, uh, yeah, it's a hard lesson. Lord gives, Lord takes away. <laughs> I've learned that this year. Praise Lord. It give, it took away. And uh, I bought, I uh, got a mentor up the road here. Fourth of July, I bought five nukes off of him. And I'll be able to say this. If nothing else 2020, I got 100% success on every split I made this season. Way to go. Nice. I made three, but it's 100%, and that was during 2020. <laughs> uh, my problem is just equipment. Uh, everything I had, because the, the, the state bee inspector wanted to, to come and inspect all the, the dead outs and stuff, and it was, I think, five weeks. Mm. I, I was, I was, I was overrun with fishing bait. Let's just put it that way. The the wax moths were. Ooh. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, the everything. I uh, yeah, a lot of the stuff we had to burn. Just I mean, it was just that just far gone. Too much. It's not worth cleaning something. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I've got the land. I've I've got friends of mine. I've been living in this community. Went. I tell everybody. When my daddy's side of the family come over in mountains, my mama's side of the family was sitting over here waiting on going, where y'all been? But uh been here a while. <laughs> Country joke, I'm sorry. But um I've got I've got permission, about seventeen hundred acres worth of land within a ten minute drive of where I live to as many hives as I want to put on. So I mean I've got the I've got the I've got the places uh when I had, I'll say this that that the two days the two days that I made like the first day I come through and I pulled all my splits out made them up and uh, two frames in each one and then the next day I come back and installed my queens and those two days I, I I'm gonna hold on to that right here until 2021 because yeah I that number about 28 that's about what i want to run a day if i can now, i've got eight right now i praise the lord for each and every one of them they doing good and uh i just i, I it's hard to explain I, I i i have like my some of these uh guys ask me to come look at their stuff and i try to stand back and teach you know show them what i'm what i'm seeing and uh when you when you, when you want to work the bees so much and it's just it, it's just uh it's chomping at the bit 
Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go do a lot of crappie fishing for like the next six months, waiting on March. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's it's bad, but I, it's all good. It's all good. It's it's all gonna work out. What are you guys fixing to do in, uh, next year? Just keep, grow your bee yard, sell sell some bees, sell honey. My my plan from the beginning is I I want to I want to become a I'd like to raise queens. I'd like to make nukes. Yeah. Uh, I see a I see a big demand for it, and uh, I can't. The the. <sighs> Somebody that really likes to work bees, you know, everybody wants to be a beekeeper like in March and April. Oh man, you know where? You know what? You know what I'm talking about. You talk. I know you talk to them. But the dudes out there in like July and August, and and when that heat is rolling, and uh, when when you, yeah, though even on those days, there's a healing that I get from them that, yeah. I get yeah. it. Any I need more boxes is my problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's a special relationship that you have with the bees that you really can't put words to, and it's kind of one of the things where once you put your finger on it, it's see it. once you don't once want you to identify it. what it is because you're afraid that that thing that you're – recognize disappears but there's there's a special relationship i think with the bees that it sounds extremely woo woo um until you're in it that does. position but uh it's uh it does a lot for your mind and your spirit and uh it does it's, it's they're unlike it really anything does. you know outside of just learning watching you know one of the biggest lessons that i've learned the last couple of years with the bees is that when you look at a hive Okay, you got a, a mother queen with all of her daughters, and there's there's some right. drones in there, uh, and there there's it's it's it is one little piece of a pie, um, but then in the area there are more pieces of that pie that make up the pie. Other hives, other colonies, you know. But then in the you, you then you go out the next view, you know. Now you've got nothing but a pie buffet. Are you with me? Pie buffet bees. Sure. Okay. Like they're all individual, but they're all actually together. When you look at the hive and what the bees do on the inside of the hive, you know, this hive grows out its space as much as they can. They expand their resources as much as they possibly can for all the offspring that's in there. And then they raise drone, they raise boy bees in there. Uh, and those boy bees aren't to mate the virgin queens to come out of that hive, it's for somebody else. It's for another right. virgin queen. It's for, uh, the, it's a, the bees are a one big super organism. It's not just one beehive. If they're, if they're all part of, of something greater, something bigger than just what you see. But what's I love about them is that they are working together diligently to reach that goal to where they can do no more work in that hive. And once they decide to do that, half the hive and the mother leaves and starts from scratch somewhere else and leaves all that to that next generation. It would be the comparison in my mind when I think about it. It's like you and I starting on a fresh piece of ground somewhere 
and and we we invest in time and we build this place up to where there's assets and there's resources and we have a checking account and we have a savings once everything once we can do no more we leave that for the kids to have a good start and we go and start and we do it I mean, we go somewhere else and start over like that's I mean, when you like it makes uh, me tired to think about it it's incredible. Like there's a lot of, no, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm right there with you. I understand what you mean. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's a special thing and you don't really see it. You, you, you don't see that with pigs. Uh, you don't see no. it. With, you see something special in each uh, animal and in each life form. But with the bees, there's this one thing after another to where it's just like, wow. Um, but you, it's you mentioned in drones. I, 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 I was thinking about that, you know, the 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 mother queen and say some of her court, we'll call it, flies off. So she she's continuing her DNA not only through those virgin queens she's leaving behind, she's also sending out the chance that one of her sons may continue her DNA on. I mean, and it's like I said, it it's Everything, if, if, if people could learn to live like the honeybees, where it's not about me, it's about us. Yeah. Uh, at, we, we, we got this slow farmer's market that I do here. And uh, I got friends. I, got, I tell people I got all these different hippie friends. You know? They all, you know, some of them make cheese, some of them make jellies, whatever. So we got this spot right here on the side of the road. I'll come set your table up. And that it's just like capitalism at its purest form, you know. I mean, it's. I know you get that too, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> capitalism at its purest form, but it's it's a convenience for the community, you know, so that these people that who they don't know who their farmer is, they don't know the guy that raised their pig or their chicken that they're going to have for supper. People's lost touch with a lot of that stuff. And it, you know, you, there's nothing more. I, I heard y'all mention it earlier about the foods we eat. I've, I, at my biggest, I was like 650, 675. I think I sent you some pictures one time of me at my biggest. I lost my weight by working these <laughs> foods. I, I'm serious. I had a prayer. I kid you not. I prayed. God answered my prayer. I, I, I laid there at my biggest, and I remembered beekeeping, the smell of the hive. Mm. You know you know what I'm talking about. And uh, at my biggest, I prayed, Lord, you know, you give me strength to get up and do this again. I get up and do it. And I mean, he didn't stand me up and suck all the weight off. He gave me the strength to get up and go do it again. But I've lost like three, oh, 350, 360 pounds since my heaviest. And it's about what I put in my body now. And uh, that's why I know all my little hippie farmers around here at you know, Nothing I know the chicken. I mean, it's it's about it. Honest to God, is about what you put in your body. You wouldn't you wouldn't put diesel in your gasoline burning truck. It's close. Well, it's, it's what you put in here, and it's what you put in there, and that's and that's that's the thing, you know. And that's, you got to feed both, right? Yeah, you got to watch what you're putting in both. You can can you will you know will the motor run? It'll run, uh, but then there's going to be some issues that are going to happen. Yeah, that's um, exactly right. Tim, uh, where can folks find out more about you and what you're doing uh, as you grow your, your bee yard there? Well, uh, we, we got a, on Facebook, the McCandless Bee Farm. 
Um, the the thing that kind of most proud of is uh, the Kalioka Farmer Market. Um, I got a friend of mine. She she knows about like computer stuff. I'm I'm yeah. <laughs> I'm not very computer computer friendly. So she does the stuff for like the farmers market. And uh, that's that's what I that's that's uh, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of is just giving back to our community down here. So well, look up sounds like the farmers uh, market. Sounds like you're uh, you're doing what someone once told me is hanging in there like a whisker and a hair and a hush puppy, baby. A hair and a hush puppy. There you yeah. go. Yeah. All right, gotta, thanks, Tim. Let's see, uh, Mark. Before we jump to the next thing here. Uh, I know you. you are be jumping off. It's been an hour and forty minutes. It's been that long. Yes. Just keep talking. Blah, blah, blah. Where can folks find out more about uh, what you're doing and get a hold of you in the farm there? Uh, on Facebook, it's called uh, Flat Woods Bee Farm, and I've also got a YouTube channel. Cool. Uh, under the same same name. Flat Woods Bee Farm. Bee Farm. And you can. Uh, We've had him on the Contrary Beekeeper Show on his chemical-free beekeeping, so check that out, too. Uh, cool. Thank you, Mark, thanks for hopping on with us. Thank you. We're gonna, is there anything else we need to talk about before we get going? Uh, any other any other really important things you want to talk so. about? I mean, the Arby's are they're on cruise for the rest of the year. I finally, um, I finally uh went ahead and, and got a whole tote of fructose 55 um, to feed the bees out the rest of the year. And I really wish I'd have done that sooner. I no sooner got the first 40 or so filled and got them on the hives and was just thinking, Oh my gosh. Uh, a really hard thing to find this year was enough sugar yeah. to do any kind of, um, you feeding know, sugar the, feeding yeah. uh, for the bees. And, uh, that was really hard. I mean, you walk into Walmart and you look like a hoarder because you're getting more than one bag of sugar. And you were lucky to find more than one we should have, we should have bag of sugar. shirts made that just said, yes, we're moonshiners. Because I swear everyone asks you. I have to know, explain to the checkout lady. And then when we went right after the, I was going to say apocalypse, um, right after COVID hit, we had the lady tell us, no, 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 you can't buy all this sugar and we were like oh yeah but it's on the shelf oh, and yeah, no, we're not dog. hoarding it we're beekeepers and she's like well i better call my manager so we don't get in trouble and i'm thinking what <laughs> i wasn't gonna stock walmart's shelves Look, this, is, sugar. <laughs> this is this is how smart walmart is with their rationing of sugar uh all the sign said you're limited to one bag per customer okay now that was their three pound bag or that was their 25 pound bag now come on but you're limited uh, to one bag. Okay. So use it wisely. So we, we barely. <laughs> With your one loaf and your one gallon of milk. Sometimes it would be, scale was this thing. I know Steck Shawty, you know, he's raised a bunch of critters up in Ohio. He's moving back. He's going down to Tennessee and doing it. Scale was one of those things that just kicks you right between the legs, uh, whether you're looking or not. And, uh, with the bees, it's the same thing. You know, if we, um, if we, if we kept our addiction to bees under 20 hives, it would be a completely different conversation. Right. Um, but then once we hit 20, then we had to go from away from court jars and discovered bucket feeders. Right. And that was a game changer because now we can put three weeks of feed on at a time when we need it, if they need it. Um, 
but then we still had to mix that much sugar. So now we're talking about mixing 50 gallons of sugar syrup each time um, and mix a good heavy two to one. And it just got, it came to the, got to the point to where it was such a pain in the rear to scale hundreds, up to that, to where hundreds of pounds and you couldn't get it. You some, of the bees get went, it. some of the bees went hungry um, because of that. And as a result, they were too lean. They didn't build, they got robbed. There was hot, the list goes on and on and on. It's, it's all, it's not the bees fault. It's always my fault. And it's my, the execution of the plan that I started off with in the spring that I don't do all the things that I need to, even though that I know that I need to, and then you're stuck with a beast that's broke off its chain and biting you in the rear. But the fructose literally uh, is, it's not going to, it's, it's shelf stable. It's not going to, it's not going to sour. Um, it's not going to uh, recrystallize and to dry and plug anything up. It's man, it's just, wish I would have, wish we would have done. And if anyone's listening and they're wondering why in the world are beekeepers talking about feeding their bees fructose corn syrup or sugar, let me be the first one to say, no, we're not robbing the honey from the bees. Well, we are actually. From one beehive to the next, I made splits. But we're not robbing the honey to consume or sell to then turn around and just feed them sugar syrup as, as a poor substitute. That's not what we're doing at all. Um, we're using that as a, carbo- as a carbohydrate substitute for hives that need to build wax and have feed right on top of a hive that may not have a lot of foragers in it. They might be confined at that time in their lifespan to just barely nurse bees or guard bees that aren't at the age where they're going out and foraging because we're going through a whole, there's a whole, that's a whole other conversation of what is actually in a split. But sometimes um, if that's what you're in the business of doing is making bees, um, can you get by and do that with just honey and not feed? Sure you can, but you're going to, there's a scale and a context to correlate with that. Um, And where we're at and what we're trying to do, the bees need fed. And, um, mixing up dry sugar 50 gallons at a time sucks <laughs> it just it ain't working <laughs> so um that has been the the, the bucket, the bucket. i don't want to look like the psycho at walmart so right. there's that <laughs> right i mean we're in zanesville ohio though so i mean you kind of you have in. to go to like three walmarts and stock the shelves every i don't want to be there every day i don't i don't want to be there every it, day so it took me, I was already, I went down to see the fat bee man because um, uh, he's been sawmilling forever. So I went down and got a private sawmilling lesson from him, learned hands-on how he does stuff, um, and then picked up an, uh, some equipment that he was selling um, to sharpen up my own blades. And I thought, well, I'm already going to be down there. I'll just bring a trailer, put a tote on there. Um, even if I had to drive that distance, if, if think about how many trips we made to our local Walmarts. That's, that's an hour round trip every time. And we probably did that, what, 12 times, 20 times? You or me? <laughs> in, in total. We might have had 20 hours of driving back and forth just to collect dry sugar. They didn't have to mix for hours. And it's eight and a half hours to Don's place and back at, 16, at 17 hours total. So it would have been less time to drive there, get fructose, bring it back than it would have been. But, you know, hindsight's one of them things. Well, you oh, were hindsight's 2020. I already said that. Um, you know what year it is? You were scheduled. See what I did there? I saw you. That, that I, was good. Yeah, that was pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, you were scheduled to pick it up from a different source, and True. that got canceled because of the COVID scare, and it was just all starting. And so yeah. it kind of got put on hold, and then right. just didn't, didn't, That's true. didn't think about it again. And 
wish wish we would have but well so now everyone's got feed on them and we're uh they're right now goldenrod is on uh right before we started Sticky i walked outside socks is on <laughs> and uh so in the as the sun gets up it smells more butterscotchy and then as the day as the dew drops and the heat picks up it smells like gym socks and it stays at gym sock until it smells like sweaty gym sock at about three or four and then we get into like dinner time and it's like an, okay ooh, do i maybe i kind of like the smell of the gym sock and then the sun goes down and the moisture picks back up and the temperature drops and it's more butterscotch gym sock and you're thinking wait a minute is it butterscotch or was it gym sock no now it's butterscotch gym sock smell that's all disgusting, and obviously he's not doing his teenage son's sock laundry. So, gross. Anyone who's got goldenrod <laughs> knows the little nuances with um, goldenrod. And so, looks like this year, hopefully, it's going to be decent. Um, so, the bees aren't touching the sugar that I just put on because the flow's on, which is good. But if we get a rain spell or uh, the goldenrod quits, it's going to be on there. I don't have to worry about it. Um, so we're getting the last of the splits built out. Some are small. I mean, we have stuff that are they're going to go in winter in a five frame single medium, and that's it. Um, the biggest hive we'll, that's, that we're going to have it's probably only going to be a maybe two eight frames mediums, and that's it. We got a lot of single deeps that are filled out nice, so it's going to be a real lean for us this year going into winter time because of some of the things I didn't follow up with um, and robbing things out so hard to make nukes and queens. Um, so it's going to be another good test to see how far we can push something. Uh, and hopefully uh, I don't lose too bad, but um, uh, I, I treated one time. So because we sell nukes and queens, um, we get inspected and we have to have a queen certificate showing that we're pest free. Okay, that's, that's the game we're in. We've got to play by the rules. I get it. Um, and so early in the year, I, I did a uh, osalic acid mite treatment um, and then did a follow-up alcohol wash, and we were good. Um, that was in uh, that would have been March, the very first part of March. As soon as the weather got warm, I wanted to see where they were at. They didn't have – there was really nothing there. Um, and then so uh, I recently just did – this is the time of year where if mites are out of control – uh, in September, if they're bad, bad, you know, because right now, if you look in your hive, what you'll see, what I see in the hives right now is that the brood's emerging, but then what they're immediately doing is they're backfilling where the brood's at, not because there's no more room, it's because the queen's slowing down where she's laying. She's already constricting her brood nest on her own. And so they're making only this much brood now and they're starting to backfill their stores. And then once that gets filled, now they'll go over top and they'll put a little bit more in a box above. Maybe, maybe not. So that's what I'm seeing is she's slow. You know, they're, everyone's slowing down. They're bringing, um, they're bringing the nectar in and um, they're downsizing themselves. Had I had uh, heavier populated hives, what I would be doing is actually downsizing them into one or two boxes, making those last splits with mated queens and little small um, little mating boxes. Um, but I guess and I don't have to really worry about that this year. They're already, they're going to be where they're going to be. Um, and that's going to be in singles. Um, so we'll see how that works out. We'll put a, uh, a two inch shim on top and some dry sugar um, as kind of a, uh, a cheap insurance policy to make sure they have some carbohydrates there if they need it. 
and that's pretty much where we we're going to be at. But the bucket feeders were huge um, because even if they're a little low on goldenrod, um, they're still going to have fructose right on top that they can. And if they want to store the fructose because there's nothing else coming in, God bless their hearts. They can store that all they want um, and consume that over um, the winter time and early spring. And then before we have any floral here for them to bring in for spring honey, they've already exhausted all that. So that, that'd be good. Um, so I'm kind of at that place, Tim, where not that I've gone quitting with the beekeeping for the year, there's just not a whole lot left for me to do other than just monitor some of the real small lean stuff to see how bad they are with hive beetles. And then uh, if I have any extra resources to bolster them up, they'll go. If, that's it. Yeah. Yep. And so and now it's just planning. So now we're getting ready and we're already putting the putting pencil to paper for the next bee run for this coming spring. Yeah. For uh, delivering packages and also getting our nukes and our queens and also moving, splitting our operation, I think, out. So I don't <laughs> like I told Mark, hide there. my hives. <laughs> yeah. So she can I should have put them in your garden because I never go in the garden. Uh that's a good idea. I never go in the garden. Maybe I ought to put you a half dozen hives up there. I'll just hide them before you can find them. <laughs> just put them next to any weeds that need pulled, and I, Lord knows you won't find me in there. <laughs> yeah, the lawnmower. Yeah. So, is there anything else we need to get off our chest to talk about before? No, we talked about these fine folks get on with their Netflix Super binging awesome or something Friday more nights. important than us. No. Well. Um, I want to say uh, sorry that it's been so long, but... Uh, sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry, <laughs> because I know every single one of you watching and listening and probably will you in the future. You guys have all been busy, too. Everyone's, everyone's been, you know, this is this is not... Nick's, no, like, creating a whole new homestead. He, he, he built a whole Disneyland cabin front porch. In Tennessee, and Mark's, like, overpopulating sunflowers, and he's... Planting things I can't plant until next oh, he's year. His, he's he's his cut, his cut flower business. He's cut flowers. Tilling up for cut flowers. Gee, and, my knee. There's so much fun stuff. And, and I don't see uh, uh, Jimbo's on there. He's raising meat birds. Uh, he's got a bunch I mean, of them ready to go. Busy he's raising the bees. Freezer. Hopefully, he's got a freezer. Yeah. <laughs> Terry's got a real good looking hive there. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. So everyone's been busy and everything's been doing good. So. I, anyone who's kind of um, in tune with what we're doing or in tune with doing something similar. We'll see you like um, December after the cows calf. <laughs> there's not, everyone knows. There's just, we're, none of us are the type of folks to just we're not sitting get around. caught up on TV shows. We're just, we're out constantly pushing the envelope, you know, trying to, trying to just do the best we can with what we know, with what we've got. And I really don't know that you could ask for more. Working from sunup to sundown, doing something. Yeah. Not sitting. Right. So if you've hung on this long, thanks for watching and listening. Uh, if you want to find out more about uh, any of the folks that you heard, uh, I guess <laughs> I was going to say something smart, like all the places, but I can't remember. So just listen back to all the places to find all the people. And right. then you'll know. Well, and then you can also probably go back and you can watch it and then you can link their stuff. Oh, see, that's not only Facebook are you the beauty of the brains. Stuff. So, yeah. I'm just a strong back. I do have some smart things occasionally. See, that, that's what we'll do. Uh, He'll link back to everything good. Yep. And then. In the until, meantime, <laughs> thanks for 
Uh, Thanks for watching and listening and all that's kind of doing stuff. All the we, we appreciate it. Uh, we're also, I think this episode is sponsored by uh, James and Melissa Blask, Sheena and Michael Lewis, and Terry Bischel. Yeah. So thanks for uh, supporting the show. Thanks for uh, supporting all those cool coffee cups. And more importantly, thanks for just being yourself through all this nonsense, not afraid to, to, to uh, share your opinions and your thoughts with people. You know, every, the world is absolutely bonkers right now, and you don't need me to tell you to know that. Uh, but what I do appreciate is how a lot of you will, you're not afraid to say something, to stand up for something, to look at information, news, uh, and actually look for the truth if there is such a thing behind all that. Uh, I really appreciate that a lot of you guys do that. Uh, we can all have completely different opinions and beliefs and trains of thought. That's, I would, I, I would hope that we all would not be the same person. It's okay, and believe it or not, we can all respect each other for having all those different thoughts and ideas and beliefs and opinions, and we can all get along. Uh, the only, the big detriment, I think, with the social media and meeting up only like this, half these folks wouldn't say, do, or behave like they are if we were all sitting together here at the table having a cup of coffee. There's a certain amount of human decency that people have with each other when they're actually held accountable by being face-to-face. -face. Right. I, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the folks that although we're trapped in these the Hillbilly Hollywood Square, they're not afraid to say something or make a comment, or maybe no one's going to change anyone's mind with a Facebook meme, although Dustin Thompson gets credit for that. He's, he's got some good ones. He's got some zingers. Uh, I just, you know, I don't have the words to really express what I'm thinking, but I just wanted to say I appreciate those that are out there um, that are seeking some semblance of truth and aren't afraid to stand up for what they think is right, even though if it's not unpopular, they're not just going to get along, uh, go along to get along. Uh, I just want to say I appreciate that. Or like Nick said, join the Contrary Farmstead Facebook page. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Man, there you go. So uh, anyways, it's been nice seeing you guys. Uh, well, hopefully we can get around doing this sooner than later. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, be the change, be the lighthouse, and keep it contrary. We'll see you guys. <laughs> Bye. I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Ha ha ha! Good night, Seattle. <laughs> Good.